0: Greetings to all of you this morning. I uh, particularly want to thank you for that song this morning. If you stop to think about what Daniel shared, it is the struggle that every one of us face somewhere along the life and many times all our lives. We try to get it right. We try to fix things. We try to get it to a science. We try to, yeah, just get it right. And over and over and over again, we find that it's bigger than us. And that no matter how you struggle to get it perfect, it doesn't all fit. And the people that are living right get the wrong results. People that are living wrong get the right results. How does that work? People who are trying to guide the church get blamed for church failures. Right? Happens all the time. Sometimes, but not always. Uh, Getting it right. Getting it right. But what Solomon was focusing on, and what he said was vanity and vexation. And I want you to get this this morning. What he said was vanity and vexation was the trying to get it right yourself. Just trying to get it perfect. You can't. Because it's bigger than you. Does that mean we should just give up and die and you know, throw it all in the trash? And... No. No. But you've got to realize it's bigger than you. No one can do God. No one. You just can't be God. And that's where we all fall apart. Trying to get it. Perfect, trying to be the creator or the controller, or you know I've got it all now in my hands. No, you aren't going to make it. Never get, never will. And that's where the vanity and vexation is. But now the song that he gave us, I finished up with. you know where the life is is we come to thee. That is where life is indeed, and where the things do come together. That's the wall that Brother Earl talked about. You lean your ladder against the Christ. And that's where life is indeed. You can't manage it all yourself. You can't be the God. You can't be the scientist that has everything down to us. You know, you can't get in You can't be the mathematician that has the right equation you can't be the science that has the scientist that has the right chemistry you can't can't manage it but in christ is life indeed so i guess that fits a little bit with what i was going to talk about this morning a little bit but sort of from a different twist and kind of gave me a little different opening i guess I don't know, am running out of space here. I think I'll put the next word on the next line. More than conquerors. Conquerors is one of them funny words, isn't it? What does it mean, more than conquerors? A lot of my thoughts are taken from uh, Hebrews this morning. But that title comes out of Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And uh, I'd like to read that here. It says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, I didn't when I studied this, I wasn't thinking about Daniel's opening, but it fits here. Now, in all the things that you have ever experienced throughout all of life and everything, and maybe there are many places in which you have found vanity and vexation. Yet in all of those things, when you turn to Christ, you can be more than a conqueror. Now, if that isn't amazing, I don't know what is. Now, let's get to start off with a couple questions here. <clears throat> Is there anybody here who really doesn't want to be a conqueror? You really don't have any interest in being a conqueror? Can I see your hand? No one? Okay, good. You know, some people get so upset with all the injustices and everything and, and the way things don't work. And they get so caught up in the vanity and vexation of their lives. And they just are ready to just, just quit. Just give up and die. Done with life. Done with the whole thing. Pitch it. Baby in the bath water together, you know. Done with this. I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. If Christians are like this, I'll have none of it. Right? Hmm. Totally wrong. Yeah, I realize there's that feeling sometimes of vexation And there's no answers to this crazy world. Yet there is. Well, is there anybody here who would like to be just a conqueror, not more than a conqueror, just a conqueror, just so you can make it inside heaven's gates, you know, and uh, uh, no more than that. Just just a conqueror. Anybody want to be just a conqueror? No takers on that either. Okay, great. Well, then, how many of you, I guess this is the rest of you, I don't know, but are there, how many of you want to be more than a conqueror? Okay, good. I, I'm assuming that's all of you. Okay, more than a conqueror. So what does that look like? What do you want to be? Tell me, what does that look like to be more than a conqueror? Anybody have any ideas? What does that look like? What does it look like to you? What are you trying to be? Solomon tried a lot of things. I mean, like Daniel said, he tried it all. Tom, most of the stuff didn't work. So what does it look like to you? No suggestions. Okay, so I guess I'm thinking that that means that you want to be all that you can be in Christ Jesus. To become the maximum that you were created for. To be in Christ Jesus and have victory at every turn. That's what a conqueror is like, right? All right. Any takers on that? Yeah, we're all takers on that, right? Well, let me tell you something. That doesn't just happen. Conquerors don't just pop out of nothing. They work at it. Not like Solomon tried. If you work at it on your own, You try to get a science of everything. You will be just as frustrated as Solomon was. You will find yourself utterly unable to do this. Utterly unable to do this. Okay, so I also want to say that if you're looking to be more than a conqueror, I want you to think about the fact that that's a a rather athletic goal, isn't it? I mean, you need to gird up the loins of your mind using Bible verses there. You need to think soberly. It's going to take some practice. It's going to take some training. You know, athletes don't become athletes while they're laying in bed, do they? This isn't going to happen while you're sleeping. You're going to have to get out there and press into it. I think you all understand that a little. There is a tendency among all of us, me included. There is a tendency for all of us to think that we've really been through a lot. You know, oh, man, had such a bad day and everybody, oh my goodness. You know, and we think we've been through a lot. And to us, it feels that way. I know what that feels like. And as a friend and a brother in Christ to you this morning, I, I'd like to say to you, I'm sorry for all that you've had to go through. I, I feel sorry. Except that I don't really. I know that you feel misjudged sometimes. And reject it. Maybe unwanted. And maybe you have discouragement. And heaviness. And hopelessness. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be a very unhappy camper. Not on a camping trip, I mean. A very unhappy person. Feeling like... Everything's caved in. Uh, nothing works. I, I did my best and it failed. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know you needed that? Did you know you really needed that? Just like Solomon needed to find that he could not master it. So you need to find, you can't master it. You can't. I want you to know this morning that I care about what you've experienced. But I also want you to know that my caring will not fix it. No matter how hard I care, how much I care, no matter if it feels good if I care, that's not going to fix it for you. My caring isn't going to cut it. And what you really need is the power of God. The power of God. And you wonder how to get that. Okay, so I'm going to take off my caring, loving, pitying hat, you know. Stay that aside. Put on another hat this morning. The hat of a coach. That tells you how you can do it. And I hope you understand that I still care. I'm not being hard. I know some of you have been through a few things. And I'm sorry for what you've been through. But I want to tell you like a coach. That ain't nothing. you got to buckle up, man. you got to press into it. No pain, no gain. Like a coach, you need to know that if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it to glory, you can't be so wimpy. Is that fair? Not I'm not try to, trying to tread on your feelings. I do care. But you not to know you have to know. That you got to press into it. OK. Not only that, you got to know that you're really no different than anybody else. You you know, it's a tendency of all of us to think we've experienced a worse deal than anyone else. No one else knows how bad it is. I've had it worse than everybody else. And that's just not true. This is not true, and you need to know that. You don't have it any worse than anybody else. There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Okay? You need to know that. You're just like everybody else. You're not, you know, tempted above that which you're able. You're not. You need to know that strength cometh by exercise, it ain't going to happen without exercising. And you need to know that of yourself, you don't have the power. I mean, it's just, you're not going to make it by yourself. You're not. And there are so many people who try and try and try and try to do this thing on their own. And they wind up just like Solomon. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. You need to know that. You need to know that. You also need to know. That by tapping into the power of Jesus Christ. By tapping into. His fullness. By faith. By faith, tapping into Jesus Christ, that nothing is impossible. And most of you don't believe that either, do you? I find it difficult to believe. But that's what it says in the Bible. That by faith, you can do almost anything. You are invincible, unsinkable by faith. Interesting, isn't it? All right, I'll read a few verses here, the context of of my title. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Do you believe that? For I am persuaded that there is that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that basically says, nothing, nothing can get in the way if you have this faith. Wow. Any takers on that? (laughs) Yes, yes. All takers on that. All right. How can I make a claim like that? That there's nothing can separate you from the love of God. Isn't there a breaking point somewhere? Somewhere there's a breaking point where you... I mean, you can keep upping the ante until eventually it breaks, right? Well, the reason I can make that promise is because there's a God. And because that God who made all things and sustains all things he made that promise he said in 1 Corinthians 10:13 that he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it you see god promised that if i was just promising you that You'd say I was full of hot air. But God promised you that. There will always be a way of escape. Now, I don't mean that there will always be, you know, uh, floating on easy street. Definitely not. The way of escape may even be death. It has been for many. But there will be a way of escape. And your faith does not need to ever fail. Ever. That's a bold statement. But that's what God says. And if you need some examples of that, I encourage you to read in the martyr's mirror. That big fat book, you know, just full of stories. Of people who had a faith. That could not be quenched. They couldn't be quenched. (laughs) Amazing. Now let's go to Hebrews. That's where my. Majority of my thoughts are going to come from today. Hebrews 11. Go there. And I know you know this is the faith chapter. And and this kind of faith, you know, God wanted us to know that with him, all things are possible. All things. And so he gave us a whole lot of examples of people who did amazing things by faith. And all this is given in this faith chapter here. This amazing chapter. By faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did wonderful things. By faith. Moses. You know. First of all his parents. They drew him out of the river. That's why he was called Moses. They did that by faith. They did what. They thought was right by faith. They could have died for that. But they did it by faith. And it turned out. And Moses led the children of Israel by faith. Oh, I think of that time he stands there before the burning bush. and, And Moses is saying, well, but I don't got faith for this. And God says to him. Whoa, what do you got in your hand? Oh, a rod. Well, throw it down. <clears throat> and there goes a snake. If I could do that this morning, you ladies would all be out the back door, wouldn't you? But instead of that, he goes over and he picks up that snake by the tail because God told him to. He didn't worry about being bitten. I don't know. I think maybe it was a black mamba snake. No, i was just kidding. But he took up that snake by the tail because God told him to. And it became a rod again in his hand. And from that day on, that rod was different. It wasn't just a rod anymore. That was the rod of God. And by that rod, he went and stood before Pharaoh. And by that rod, he brought the plagues upon Israel, uh, upon Egypt. He had the rod of God. Wonderful, awesome thing by faith. By that rod, he went up to the Red Sea and whacked those waters, and the waters went hither and thither, and they walked through on dry land. The rod of God. Wouldn't you like to have a rod like that? On the other side. They turned around and, oh, here comes the Egyptians. And so God, Moses just took the rod and he just, whoosh, and the waters went back over. And the Egyptians were drowned. Amazing thing, by faith. That rod of God God smote a rock and water came out. You ever see water come out of a rock? Wouldn't it be awesome to have a rod like that? Except you'd use it wrong, probably. did amazing things by that rod. Oh, the stories could go on and on. I'd like to go to verse... Uh, let's see, to I write this down here somewhere? Go down to uh, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Just march around and the walls fall down. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not, because she just hung a red cord in the window. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. You remember what Gideon did? (laughs) Amazing. And Barak. And Samson. And Jephthah. And David also. And Samuel and and of the prophets. These men were unquenchable, unthinkable. They could subdue kingdoms. Remember Gideon cast out all the kingdoms in the land of Canaan. And they wrought righteousness and they obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. Who did that? Everybody knows, right? Who did it? Daniel? Yeah, God did it, of course, but it was Daniel who experienced it. Stop the mouth of a lion by faith. Isn't that awesome? Quench the violence of fire. That was Daniel's three friends, right? They escaped the edge of the sword. They were... Out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight. And they turned to fight the enemies of the aliens. And women received their dead, raised to life again. Isn't that nice? You know, remember that woman of Shunamid? Her son died. And she went out to Elijah or Elisha. Elijah, I believe it was. And she said, Elijah... My son died. And he brought him back to life again. That's what faith can do. And you would all like that kind of faith, right? Amen? Sure. Now, I want to tell you that faith is not always just like that. Faith has another side. Right after raising the dead to life again, it says, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better re- resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Uh, you know what a scourging is? It's pretty, pretty rough. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment and it gets worse. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. I don't know if there's a much worse way to die. That sounds awful. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They were wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Why? Because they had that faith. That's faith that caused them to do that. And nothing could quench them. Nothing. Nothing could sink them. Nothing could turn them off. (coughs) Awesome. Awesome. These men had gotten a hold of things. And some of them women too, by the way. A lot of the martyrs in the martyr's mirror were women too. And uh, yeah. And children. Sometimes we think men are tough. But you know, women and children were just as tough by faith. When they had this faith, nothing could quench them. Nothing. That's awesome. You want that kind of faith? Amen. Why is it, folks, why is it that we, in our day, over the smallest, littlest things, get discouraged and want to leave the church and things like that for little things? Why? Why do we say, oh, so and so, you know, he doesn't like me, he thinks I'm, blah, 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 you know? And we get all upset over trifles. Why? I'm not trying to embarrass you, I'm not trying to point my fingers at you. I've done it too. I have been as offended as any of you. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. This might be hard to hear, but it's the truth. It's because you are looking at the trials, not at the Savior. You are not walking by faith, you are walking by sight. Things by sight look terrible, often, OK? And they are. In some ways, they are terrible. And in some ways, some of these things should never happen. They're wrong. Amen? They're wrong. Can't argue with that. But you need to see the Savior. You need to be focused at the right place. And, uh, you know, you feel down because, because your focus is at the wrong place. Before I get into that, Hebrews 11 ends with this. It says that all these heroes of faith that we've been talking about, all of them, got a good report through faith, but they didn't receive the promise. Wow. Do you know why they didn't? Because God had something better. God is going to give them their promise with us. We together are going to have that promise given us together. It's going to be a grand time when the promises are finally handed out. And we are going to together get all these promises I want to remind you that someday you'll stand alongside of Daniel and David and Michael Sattler. And all the other martyrs, you're going to stand by them to receive the promises. And you're all going to receive for the for the deeds done in the body. Let me ask you. How are you going to look alongside of those people? Everything about that? Uh, you understand, alongside of Michael Sattler, and you, you know what happened to Michael Sattler, right? Do you know a little history? He died a horrible death at the hands of persecutors because he believed and would not be turned down. What's your faith going to look like alongside of those people? Ooh, that's challenging, isn't it? It is to me. I'm not pointing fingers. But I want you to get that. I want you to get it in your soul. Someday, you're going to stand and receive for the deeds done in your body. Whether it be good or bad. You're going to stand among the multitudes and everyone's going to receive for the things that they have done. What is your faith going to look like? Chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Because you're going to stand one day among that crowd of all the people who have witnessed the power of God and of his Christ. And those people who could not be quenched for anything in their lives and you're going to stand with them. Great cloud of witnesses. So lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. I mean, this ought to give to you the greatest motivation that can be had. Think about it. One day, the promise is coming. It may not be in your lifetime. Does that matter? No. It does not matter. Because one day it is sure. One day, it will happen. And here's the thing that you need to see. You need to, verse 2, look to Jesus, the author of your faith. You know, there's no way you can muster up the stuff of your own. I'm telling you, you can't do it on your own. You cannot do it. Just forget trying to do it on your own. You'll be an utter failure. You'll be just like Solomon. You'll find that it's all vanity and vexation of spirit and it don't work and blah, blah, blah. Don't try it. But when you have faith, when you see, when you look to Jesus who is the author and you do things his way and you do things because he said so and you do it with the faith that all these other people in the Hebrews did, you cannot be quenched. Nothing, nothing can turn you off. Nothing can fail, make you feel like a failure. Nothing. Bar none. Nothing can... Upset you. Like that song, you know, that we sing. No words can offend them. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Not just an author, but a finisher of the faith. Who for the joy, and he set you an example. Who for the joy that was set before him, he did what? He endured the cross. He counted the shame, no big deal. And because of that, he is set down at the right hand of the Father. So I want you to consider, I'm kind of paraphrasing here a little bit. I want you to consider this man, Jesus Christ, who endured contradiction. I mean, if you thought. Anybody said anything about you that was unkind, or you have nothing compared to what Jesus experienced. None of you. Nothing compared to that. I mean, he was called Beelzebub when he was the Christ. And when he's hung on the cross, they said he saved others, but himself he cannot save. Isn't that funny? When at that very moment, he could have come down from the cross and slain them all. What kind of a character do you think that took? He stood before Pilate. And then Pilate condemned him to be scourged. He could have looked at Pilate and said, bang, you're gone. But he didn't. He allowed those Roman soldiers to scourge him. That's really traumatic. Really. And at the moment while he was experiencing that scourging, he had the power to call 12 legions of angels to deliver him. He had that power. I mean, if you ever thought about it, one angel is awesome. You know why? Because you know, an, an angel in battle is, is, is just an awesome thing because you can't kill an angel. He's immortal. You can be killed, but an angel can't be killed. So in order to win a battle, you don't need one angel. Just one. I mean, you just keep on killing, right? they were all done. Because you can't kill the angel. Well, how about a whole legion of them? I think that's a thousand if I have that right. Well, then how about 12,000 angels? I mean, the unconquerable Christ, right? And rather than employ that strength, he allowed himself to be beaten mush for you why why I mean when somebody starts really working on me after a while I get to the point where I'm like ready to slap them right you know it's like something rises up and you know you just want to you know do you think that was not part of Christ well he mastered it if it was And he did not take out vengeance on them. He did not do it because. There was something. Greater. To be had. You see. He had a promise. That was set before him. He knew. That if he would go through this suffering and death. And pay the price and the penalty for all sin. He knew that 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 would turn the tables on all humanity and you and I could be with him and be one with him and be overcomers forever. And that joy was so great for him. That was so motivating for him. That was such a wonderful thing. He said, I'm going to do it. And it doesn't matter if I take a little pain. I'll give my back to the smiters. Let them pile it on. Because I'm going to have my people. Faith. He set you the example. Are you willing to let your back be smitten this morning? Or your ears? Are you willing to become a doormat for people to wipe their feet on? Because you have the joy that is set before you, that one day I will stand among the ransomed. one day I will stand alongside of Michael Sattler. One day I will be there to receive that which I have for what I have done in the body, and I'm doing this by faith, I'm doing it for the Lord. I know that what I'm doing is right, and I stand here, and if I am crucified, that's all right. Nothing shall prevent me from receiving that crown of glory at the end of life. Nothing shall turn me from the way because I know the promise is sure. Do you got faith like that?
1: We all win so little, don't
0: we? I do too. Let me tell you again. This kind of faith is built... One step at a time. One step at a time. Each and every circumstance that you come to is one more step in having a faith that cannot be quenched. Now, every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself. And he cannot be quenched. He cannot be quenched. He is unsinkable. Invincible. He is the miracle Christian that will not stop for anything. Because he has faith. This faith comes one step at a time. Verse 4, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You know, I suppose that if you resist unto blood, if you shed all of your blood, then you can rest. Right? That's what the martyrs do. Hang in there until they kill you. If they really kill you, then you can rest. Until then, you haven't done enough yet. If they actually shed your blood, if you actually have to pay the price of your whole life, do you know you'll have a special place in heaven for that? Until the resurrection? you'll be under the altar with all the other martyrs. That's a special place. But none of you have resisted unto blood yet. None of you. You thought you had... To, I told you, you thought you went through a lot. You didn't go through hardly anything yet. Seriously, you didn't. You've had it. Peaches and cake. So have I. What do I have to worry about? Nothing like the Reformation. Nothing like the Spanish Inquisition. No. You haven't experienced anything yet. Just a few little things that was allowed to let your immunity grow. Right. Oh, verse five, have you forgotten? That the Bible talks about this. My son. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Do not faint when you're rebuked of him. Do not worry. Do not fret when things aren't going the way you think they should. Because the Lord loves whom he chastens. And he scourges you only for reasons. Good reasons. He's not trying to torment you. He's correcting your ways. He's letting these things happen that you might let go of the things which can be shaken for the things which cannot be shaken. Do not despise that. James says, Count it all joy, brothers, when that happens. You ought to be glad God's doing that to you. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it feels like crying. I know that. And I've shed my tears too. But it's for your good that God has allowed these things to happen. If you endure chastening, God's dealing with you as with sons. Doesn't sound right, does it? But if you didn't have that chastisement, it would be just as if God was going to allow you to wreck yourself. It would be just as if God was now a lot of you have children, right? So if you had a two year old that's going toward the hot stove, he's going to burn himself badly on the you know, by running his hands up against the hot stove, and you know it's going to be a terrible thing. And you say, no, you can't do that. No, 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 you can't do that. Why? Because you love him, right? But he doesn't get it. And he's going to do it anyhow. And just as soon as you turn your back, he's right going the same way again. What are you going to do about it? You're going to discipline him a little, right? You're going to smack him a little. No, don't. Do you do that because you hate your son or your daughter? No, you do it because you love them. You don't want them to be destroyed. You don't want them to be really seriously hurt. So you give them a little pain, you know. Because you know the bigger story. If God did not allow these things in your life, if God did give you all easy street, you know what you would be? You'd be a wimpy fool. That's what you would be. You would be faithless. That's what you would be. You would not know the power of God and of his Christ. You would not. So God allows things so that you can grow. Verse nine. We know what it's like, right? and verse 10 And we do not spank our children because we like spanking them, do we? I don't anyway. Be a mixed-up person who would enjoy that. But I have spanked my children because I had a goal in mind. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. I, it's grievous. Yeah, I know. But it yields the precible fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. Righteousness. Okay. I think you got the main point there. Now, let's go down through the rest of the chapter here real quickly with a few other things. I'd like you to see that... <clears throat> All the things that you can experience through this life is to develop you and help you grow into his fullness and to have the faith that cannot be quenched under anything. To have the faith that is unthinkable, invincible. Bar none, you can take anything. OK, so let's look at a few things that we can do to start steering yourself in that direction. How about you go to uh, verse uh, 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and feeble knees. I don't know what goes through your mind when when you read that. Well, one of the things that goes through my mind is the story of Moses and Aaron and Her. You remember that story where Moses, you know, they were coming out against Amalek. And God said to Moses, go ahead and fight him. And Moses said to Joshua, get the army together. You go down there and you do battle. I'm going to go up on the mountain where I can watch over everything. I'll take Aaron and Her with me. And we'll take the rod of God. So they went up to the top of the mountain. And as the battle began. Things didn't look so good for Israel. Amalek's pretty strong. And so God, Moses took the rod of God. This powerful rod. And he held it out. The rod of God. And it worked. Israel began to prosper. rod of God and it prospered for a while but Moses arm got tired and after a while he and as soon as Moses hand went down with the rod of God Amalek started to prosper Moses looked and oh, no, that's not going right. Rod of God up there again. Uh, yeah, that's right. Israel's winning again. And that happened a number of times. But Moses' hand got tired and tired each time. I mean, it's hard work to hold a rod up there in the air all day long. That's get hard. I love Aaron and her. They pulled a big rock out, put it up right there by the cliff where you could see. Pulled a big rock out there and said, Moses, come over here and sit on this. I mean, Moses was starting to like, feeble knees, too. I mean, he was like, he wanted to sit down, for goodness sakes, you know. And Aaron and her said, here, here, sit on this rock. And then they stood alongside of him and they propped up his arm, one on either side of him. And he held the rod of God up. And they did that all day long. And Israel conquered. Do you ever see people. Who are getting weary. In well doing. It happens all the time. Are you there. To lift up the hands which hang down. That's an act of faith you know. That's one of the little steps of faith. That you can take. Lift up the hands that hang down. and those feeble knees. It happens in this congregation, brothers and sisters. It does. Lift up the hands which hang down. That's a step of faith you can take. That is not beyond you. You can be an encourager. And make straight paths for your feet. I think of that song. Oh, yes, I'm working the road to glory. Working the road. Helping the weak and the blind. I want to smooth out the road that leads to heaven's abode and make it easier for those behind. I like that song. I'm working the road. I want the road to be smooth and easy to go. There are things you can do to make it easier for those behind so sometimes that means setting certain things in place to try to avoid temptations and everything that's trying to make the road smoother for those behind do not despise that working the road lest that which is lame be turned out of the way Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are lame Christians. Uh, You might have met a few. Christians who don't seem to have their act together. Christians who don't seem to march as the army is marching. Uh, They limp instead. They They don't keep step right. They're lame. Do you know how easy it is for us to turn them out of the way? Do you know? Do you realize that if you turn them out of their way, they will not stand beside you when the promises are given out? And the reason that they are not going to stand beside you when the promises are given out Are because of you, perhaps? Ouch. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Oh, you don't want that on your record. I know you don't. But rather let it be healed. Brothers and sisters, there are many, many cases of lame Christians today. And you know they're lean, And it would be easy for us as uh, hopefully more mature Christians. It would be easy for us to just say. Go over there. But we don't really want you. Marring our march. I mean, we've got places to we've got places to go. We've got a. We've got to keep our act together. We're going. I mean, march or get out. That's our human nature. I know it very full well. I've been there. I've done that. I'm as guilty as anyone else in this room here today. But that's not how the Savior looks at them. It's not. But rather, let it be healed. This takes some faith. I, I, I must say it's much easier just to boot those people out and get, get rid of them. That's a whole lot easier. It is. But it's not faith. Faith. Oh, faith is awesome. Let's move on. Verse Verse 14. Follow peace with all men. Peace. (laughs) Yeah, we all like peace, don't we? That's a nice topic. Peace. We all want peace. Let's just keep it all peaceful. Yeah. Amen. That should be a very high priority for us. Peace. Let me add a couple of that with the next two words. And holiness. The... Not peace at any cost. Lest you think that I am peace at any cost. Right now. I'm not. Follow peace. And holiness. And remember that without holiness. You will not see the Lord. That's how serious it is. Peace and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. So peace, a very high priority with holiness. If you can get that perfect, hats off to you. Looking diligently, verse 15, looking diligently. That doesn't mean just glancing a little bit, but this is looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. I mean, this is really looking for people who might be failing. And you're going to try to do something about that. You don't want them to fail. You don't want a single one of you to fail. Looking diligently. I mean, looking for it. Lest any of you should fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness. Do you know what bitterness is? It's pervasive. It is able to get every one of you if you're not in faith. Bitterness. It's an awesome thing. It's like the roots of a thistle. You know how hard it is to get thistles out of your flower bed? <laughs> I keep pulling them and pulling them, and they keep coming up, right? Bitterness is like the root of a thistle. It just keeps coming if you're not careful. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, I want you to say this is important. Bitterness must not be tolerated anywhere. If you see any bitterness, if you think somebody is struggling with bitterness, get busy. Get busy and do some work, because if you don't, trouble is to follow. Did you notice? If any bitterness trouble you and thereby many be defiled, bitterness will bring you trouble of every sort and bitterness will defile many. I mean, it will cause them to fail of the grace of God. Bitterness can take you out of the kingdom of God. That's how serious it is. Somehow, it's so easy. It's so easy for us to just... Well, I'm so sorry. You know, Brother Joe just got bitter and he left. Oh, wow. No. No, watch it. It's bigger than that. Okay? I don't have all the answers, but this is what God's word is saying. If you think anyone has got some bitterness, do everything you can to sweeten it. To bring him back to the Christ. To reset the vision again. Help him to get a hold of faith. By which. Nothing. Can overcome him. That will take some skill. That doesn't just. Happen. But. It's one deed at a time. One event at a time. It's. Strength that is grown by exercise. You want it to be more than conqueror, right? All right. Verse 16 and 17. I'll paraphrase that a little bit. That's about Esau. Let's just paraphrase that a little bit and say, Don't sell yourself short like Esau did. You know the story of Esau, right? He sold his birthright for mess of pottage. He despised his birthright. Counted it small compared to his bellyache. He he was hungry. Man, he was hungry. And he sold his birthright. And later, he wished he could have changed it. The Bible says that he sought it with tears. He sought it with tears. He realized he'd made a mistake. And he wished he could turn it around. Have you ever made a mistake that you wished you could turn around? Yeah, I have too. And you know, some things can never be turned around. Esau could not gain that birthright again. It was water over the dam. It was gone. The opportunity was gone forever. There are things in your life and mine that are like that. Opportunities come. You do whatever you do with those opportunities. And then they can never be changed. And you might seek to change it, even with tears, and you cannot change it. I know. I just want to say this. Remember, when you're going this way through life, don't just think that you can always change it somewhere down the road. You can't. You ought to be diligently looking for the opportunity To be faithful to God and to operate in your faith all the time, knowing that I have one life to live, it's the only one, and some things will never change. Okay? Don't be like Esau. There are some things that will never change. That doesn't mean it's hopeless. Verse 18. Through 21. If you read that, it talks about Moses coming before the Mount of God. Well, let's just read that. I, I think it'll be worth reading that. For ye are not come unto the Mount that might be touched and that burned with fire nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken unto them anymore. They were so terrified. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much, so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that even Moses said, <laughs> I exceedingly fear and quake. Yeah, you know what Mount Zion was like, right? You read it. Awesome thing. Make it tremble in your boots. Yeah. Okay. Verse 22. But you are come unto Mount Zion. Not Zion, but Sion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly. That's talking about all of the saints, you know, that are going to be appearing there to receive their deeds which were done in their body. You know, David and Daniel and Michael Sattler and all the rest of the fellows. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which were written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Let me summarize. This is more awesome, more glorious, more outstanding, more spectacular than Mount Zion. Right? Mount Sinai. If you think Mount Sinai was awesome, well, think again. This is more awesome. A hundred times more awesome. That's where you're going. You're going to stand before the judge of all of the earth. You're going to stand before all of the angels. You're going to stand there someday. Someday before everyone that has ever lived. And you're going to receive. For the deeds. That are done in your body. Whether it be good. Or whether it be bad. This is awesome in capital letters. Perfectly awesome. More awesome than I have words to express. Verse 25. Do not miss this. Please do not miss this. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh for if they escape not who refused that spake on earth much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven whose voice then shook the earth but now he hath promised saying yet once more i shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things which are shaken. Means that everything that's created, this earth, Mount Sinai, and everything else, that's all going to be taken away as the things that were made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. You know, there are some things that are more immovable than the earth itself. There's something more sure, more firm, more positive, more eternal than the earth itself. Yeah, by faith, you know that. And one day, all of these other things are going to be taken away. God promised it. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to shake the earth again. And not only the earth, but heaven itself. The heavens shall depart, shall be rolled back as a scroll. And the earth will melt with fervent heat. And a new heaven and a new earth shall come forth. And there will be an eternal kingdom that cannot be taken away forever. You want a part of that? You want to be more than a conqueror? You want to get a hold of this? Yeah. Yeah. This is worth it. Wherefore, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved... Let's have grace. That's not my grace. That's God's grace. Let's have grace. Lay hold on faith that cannot be quenched, that cannot sink. Unvincible, unreproachable, undeniable unflinching the list could go on lay hold of that which cannot be moved and serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear because our God is a consuming fire that's an awesome idea I want it. I know you want it. It's worth it. It's more than anything else. Bar none. Your house, your car, your property, your business. Nothing even holds a candle to it. There is nothing more important than this. Bar none. Because all of these things of this earth that are shaken will pass away but this shall not pass away one day you will stand before God almighty like that the verses we just read there you will stand in the, before the judge of all of the earth you will stand before all of the angels you will stand in the general assembly With all those who have gone before. And your faith. Will be. Revealed. And all the deeds that you have done in your body. Whether it be good or evil. Will be known. And judged. And your faith will be proved. Wow. Wow. Don't let anything turn you from this. This is what you want. More than a conqueror. And you will be more than a conqueror. Not because you have tried so hard. But if you believe. If you believe and you put your faith. This kind of faith. That can take anything. Anything. This kind of faith is what wins the day. And if you want this kind of faith, it's developed one deed at a time. One deed at a time. In this our day, get busy.